Welcome back to the Service Design Podcast. I'm David Morgan. And I am Stina Vanoff. And this is the last episode in which we speak to the winners of the Service Design Awards. Today, we are speaking to Nele Kistemaker, who co-founded Muses with her sister, Sanna. With Muses, Nele has been a pioneer of design research and service design for more than 10 years. And now they won the award for organizational impact in the public sector with the project for the municipality of Rotterdam. Good morning, Nele. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Thank you. <laughs> so we're talking to you today uh, because uh, you won uh, the award, uh, the Service Design Award. We're going to ask you all about that. We spoke to your sister uh, a few episodes back as well. Yeah, so, I think that was already a while ago, right? It's quite a while ago, yes. So yes, it was one of the first episodes, I think, or the <laughs> yeah. And now through the uh, winning of a one award, we speak to uh, to you uh, again. So that's really good. Yes. <laughs> so uh, could you please uh, introduce yourself uh, briefly to our listeners? Yeah, sure. I am Nele Kistemaker, and as you already uh, mentioned, I uh, founded Muses as a uh, surf design agency already uh, 10 years ago. And, well, we are all actually technical product designers at Muses, but at the moment we are... Uh, very much focused on social projects, for example, municipalities, and we, well, love to uh, create an impact there with our uh, analysis and uh, exploration and design. Yes, I remember I also had a course of uh, Sanne uh, when I was studying at the University of Delft about context mapping, and I think you also used this method in the project, so I'm very curious about, uh, about that later on. But uh, maybe first for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, the project you uh, won the award for? Yeah, a few years back already, we came into contact with a project leader at the municip- municipality of Rotterdam. And they faced this huge challenge of issuing a tender for all of the target group transports in the municipality. There has been a bit of a shift in the Netherlands where some of the social services were where they first used to be like national government related, then became municipality related. So in this case, the municipality of Rotterdam faced this tender in which they had about 35,000 people making use of a service, but they didn't really uh, know who these people were. So they had to actually buy new services from transport providers without knowing who the clients actually were that were using these services. So when we explained a little bit about how we explore the world of specific user groups, this project leader got really enthusiastic because he thought that's exactly what I what I need. Because at this point, this target group was divided into under what law do you have the right to use this transport? But what he really wanted, what he was looking for was what are the needs of these people? Who are the people that are actually in the bus every day? And what do they think? What do they feel? What do they want from the transport, the routes, the other people in the bus, the planning, the driver, etc. So somewhere back in 2015, I think we uh, had this really great match on, uh, well, what we could do for uh, for them. <laughs> and we started this project <laughs> actually without knowing what it would eventually, how big it would it would become. <laughs> yeah, because that's really that's really nice. That really happened. 
because at first we also we had no clue what what target group transport actually was who were the the departments for example that were involved who were the people that were in the buses who were other parties other stakeholders so we actually were a bit careful at the start and I said well if you of course we would like to explore this with you but maybe we should start with like a, a phase zero of finding out what it exactly is that we're talking mm-hmm. about because we had no clue how to approach this uh well quite uh, big what's what's the word quite big uh, challenge mm-hmm. yeah i think uh, for for many public services you you have to deal with this very broad target audience sometimes the target audience is uh, everyone and uh, i think that's a real big challenge that that we definitely run into and are f- still figuring out how to deal with this so i think this is going to be very relevant for uh, anybody working in public services to to listen to your story today well thank you <laughs> one of the things that i i found very fascinating right from the start is that these laws that entitle people to use the services are very much focused on what people cannot do or cannot have or what impairment, for example, they uh, have. Whereas if you look at mobility and the transport, it's actually uh, very relevant to only look at what people actually need from their mobility. So we try to keep it as far away from what people had as an, um, as an impairment as possible but it was really a challenge during the uh, during the project. <laughs> what I was wondering is that you said that first the service was like the Netherlands, the government was in charge of the service, but then it moved to the cities. Did that mean that different people also had to uh, take care of implementing the service or was it still the same people who were taking care of the laws and the processes behind it? Mm, well, Partly, it especially meant that the municipality got the responsibility for transporting for the mobility of 35,000 people, but they actually did not know who these people were, like actually didn't know. Mm -hmm. So they didn't know whether, for example, uh, part of this group was in two laws, perhaps, or whether there was a huge overlap or maybe not between the... um, uh, the places that they they went through, uh, to, for example, mm-hmm. uh, they really didn't have a, a a good grip on who these people actually were. Not in terms of needs, but also not in terms of like the factual things, like age, size, uh, area in the city, uh, goal of the journey, all these things. Okay, so we have this uh, challenge of figuring out who these uh, people are. Could you take us yeah. through the, the process that you went through in this project? Well, yeah, first we, we started to take a closer look at the whole context, like who are the stakeholders, what are the, what are the processes, what are the people that are involved, and what do all these abbreviations mean? Because there were, there were so many, and uh, yeah, we really had to like, puzzle also for ourselves, but also between the different departments uh, of the municipality, like who is doing what, who uh, is talking about which users and where is the, um, the, the doubling also in, uh, in these user groups. So after we, we got a bit of an idea of who these people were, what they could do, how we could reach them, for example, in our exploration uh, phase, we made a uh, 
a plan of um, well how to approach uh, this challenge. And the interesting thing was that there were actually two parallel processes. So on the one hand, we were going to investigate the user side of this um, situation and a bit of the stakeholders, for example, at the uh, transport companies who, who were the drivers and uh, uh, planners. But at the same time, the municipality was preparing this huge tender for which they used a very innovative procedure also. So they used a tender procedure called a, in English, I hope I say it correctly, but it's a competitive dialogue, if I'm correct. In, in Dutch, it's called a concurrentiegerichte uh, dialogue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for our Dutch listeners <laughs> <laughs> and Belgian ones. <laughs> there are a couple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which actually meant that they were not going to put their demands for the tender on paper, but that they were going to ask the um, tendering parties, in this case, the transport companies, for example, to come up with the right concepts themselves. Mm. So while we were doing the research, they were preparing this whole process. And eventually we came to this big finale where we had a good grip on what the mobility needs of these 35,000 people were. And then translated this into uh, personas and customer journeys that actually became the base of the tender. So what the municipality then did is putting the tender out in the market saying, okay, these four personas are our uh, clients. These represent or summarize the needs of the people that you as transport companies are going to um, move from A to B. Now you as transport companies, with all your expertise in planning and in wheels and in, in moving people, please tell us what your perfect concept for these people would be. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. And yeah, it's really, really interesting. Yes. Yeah, I thought so too. <laughs> I never found a tender like that in Belgium. I think it's really nice to include the users already so... Uh, yeah. In the assignment, because of course it's about them, but often mm. when we have tenders in Belgium, it's like... Uh, the, they will judge you on uh, price and on uh, process, yeah. but not really on uh, what value it would uh, offer to yeah. users. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and actually, in this in this type of tendering, uh, you could still, of course, use price as one of the principles for judging the concepts. Mm -hmm. But in this case, the municipality municipality really chose to to let the user needs be uh, the most important determining thing of the quality so what they also did and that's not necessarily part of this kind of tendering but i think it's a very valuable addition in this case is they said we don't know what it would cost but we do know that we spent a certain budget on it now and it goes like reasonably well so let's say we keep the budget the same and then ask for the best concept within this budget mm -hmm. so also the, the transport companies got this total freedom of, um, well, proposing the true best concept in their um, opinion. Mm -hmm. They also had to really work hard on their, on their concept. And uh, because they had, of course, uh, some other parties that were competing and behind their own closed doors creating their best concept. So it was a really, um, yeah, really valuable process that... Uh, 
that we we all went through. <laughs> oh, definitely. I now also understand why you asked uh, to wait a little bit with uh, recording the uh, interview, because yeah. indeed in, I understand that this can be very sensitive information uh, in that context when they're yeah. still bidding. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a really nice uh, forward-thinking uh, way mm -hmm. of doing uh, tendering. And uh, yes. I'm sure it results into much more relevant projects. Uh, I think one slightly similar experience we sometimes have here is that there's a tender just to design, for instance, a, a website, and then there's a separate tender to build it. So they've at least split those two, uh, two parts up, the design and the building. Oh, yeah. I think that also already makes a lot of sense, but yeah, yeah. this uh, yeah. sounds really great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And were you able to, uh, to see some of the concepts of the transport companies? Yes, yes, um, because part of this, this tendering procedure is that you have this dialogue, of course. So it started with giving the parties that were interested in the assignment the personas and, of course, some other uh, material. And then over the course of 10 conversations with all uh, parties, which were uh, three, the concept got got shape and we were we were part of the team actually on the municipality side. So what they did is they had the conversation table every uh, three weeks with all three parties. And then on the side of the transport companies, they had like a small audience of people who could give them advice and the municipality had the same. So we were in there, well, board of advisors, so to say, but also, for example, people from the clients associations were there. Uh, also people working at the municipalities at certain departments were there. So there were all kinds of people who were listening to the presentations of the transport companies who were then presenting, well, part of their concepts or the next uh, step of their concept creation. And then after a few hours, we would advise the municipality on our side to, well, ask some more questions about this or how do they plan to solve this aspect, for example, or how do they plan to meet this specific need? Yeah, so it was a very interactive uh, process in which we saw a lot of, uh, of the different concepts, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was even co-creating the, the actual assignments together with the, with the providers, which I think is very yeah. interesting because often you have this one-way communication and like one chance to offer the right proposal and often I don't think that results in the most qualitative party that is going to uh, take the project further but I, I can yeah. also imagine for the, the municipality of Rotterdam it's quite a big challenge and they had to be quite brave to take on this challenge because it's can often maybe feel or seem like they're more subjective in their decisions and they're not following the strict rules? Or did, how did that go? How did they manage to convince people that they uh, could do it this way? Yeah, well, I think most important was the, the will of the project leader to do it this way and to do it right. Mm -hmm. So he had this huge drive of putting the clients first, so doing, aiming at really at the best result for the people who are actually using the transport facilities. So I think that's 
that's what really made this project. And also, I mean, now, well, our name is on this award, but actually maybe the <laughs> the team at the municipality is uh, the one who, who really won because they pulled it off and it took a lot of time, efforts, yeah. Mm-hmm. trouble also but uh yeah it went really well how did you manage to bring across the needs of the people because i can imagine it's a quite a difficult uh, very diverse group and how could you communicate to the the people what were actually the the needs that they they were facing well we started doing that actually really together with the uh, team at the municipality because at that point we didn't really know how the tendering process would take place. So we had no idea at that point that we would, for example, also be in this room with the um, transport companies at that dialogue point. So one of the first things that we did was uh, also co-creating the exploration phase And taking people from the team also to the clients to do the interviews together, to analyze all the results together, to propose, for example, how to divide the uh, target group uh, roughly, but then uh, segmentation, that's Mm -hmm. the word that I was looking for. Uh, But then really go through the data again together with the team, uh, look at it from all sorts of perspectives to find the right segmentation to, to do just to the client needs, but also to make sure that it was divided in such a way and presented in such a way and named, for example, in such a way that it would work for the municipality side and for the transport companies as well. So we also really checked that once we had created our first persona set, we checked it with different people at the municipality, with different people at transport companies, but especially also with the uh, target group to see Do we miss anything? Are there any things that we now did not come across? Because, well, as you know, we do not work with huge numbers in terms of speaking to people in the exploration phase. And we did speak to quite a lot of people. I think we interviewed like 30 to 40. Mm -hmm. And then we also had a lot of postcards that we spread throughout the city of Rotterdam to get a bit of a feel for... Do we like cover every aspect of people's journeys and people's goals? But then these, again, were about journeys and goals and were not so much about the um, handicaps, for example, that people have. So once we had this first rough set of personas, we checked it with the uh, clients themselves. And then we found out that we, we did not emphasize the people who had a hearing problem enough. So then we, again, added some details about what people with a hearing impairment specifically need or miss or, or have to have when they are uh, using these transport services. Mm-hmm. So that was one way we checked that. And then that really helped to get it across, not only, well, to make sure that we covered everything, but also to make sure everyone was involved in these needs and involved in the results and could also easily explain what the content of these uh, personas was to, for example, uh, the transport companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I even remember while I was working uh, at Mises that we were making the postcards, (laughs) but I don't remember remember what what questions were actually on the cards. (laughs) What what was it that you, uh, what questions that you asked those people? 
on the postcards, we actually asked only two main themes, main things. On the one hand, what would, what, what is an aspect that really makes your journey, like what makes your journey into a success? And on the other hand, what is the thing that really ruins your journey or your day or what is there anything you could say about that? And then we ask some, some extra questions about where do you go to, who are you and what kind of aspects does your journey have? So more like the factual things. So we could see what kind of stories would sort of end up on what kind of um, factual uh, characteristics of the, of the target group. And that gave us a first hunch of where to, well, go to, what to look for, what to talk about in the actual uh, context mapping interviews that we did later on. I have another very practical question about these postcards. So I understand you sent about 2,500 out. How did you decide where to send these? Well, we didn't actually send them. We put them at strategic uh, places. So we put them, for example, in the buses. We put them at the counter of an elderly home. We put them at um, schools where the buses would go to, like the schools for children with um, uh, some kind of handicap, for example. Mm -hmm. We also shared them with some people at the municipality so they could hand them out to people who were coming, for example, to their counters. So we selected from our stakeholder analysis all sorts of spots where we could put the postcards so that uh, we could have a really wide variety of people filling them out mm -hmm. and then sending them back to the municipality and to us. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, what percentage actually sent it back? Well, we got about 250 cards back, so that's about 10%. Yeah, that's not bad. Not bad at all, I think. No, yeah. no, that's true. Yeah, we were also quite happy <laughs> with that. Right. It also really helped if you, like your previous question about how did you make sure that everyone was involved and the results got um, distributed well. Mm -hmm. The number of postcards that we got back also helped to uh, get a bit of a quantitative feel to what we were doing there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So in which phase of this project are you now? What is happening at the moment? No, because a lot is, is going on, actually, at the moment. Once we uh, finish this, um, well, the awarded project uh, for the municipality of Rotterdam, there was a lot of interest uh, from Amsterdam to look at uh, their target group transport as well, not only towards us, but also towards the team at the municipality of Rotterdam, because they had so much experience in going through a very uh, different, very innovative tendering process. And the municipality of Amsterdam at that point faced the issuing of the tender for specifically the um, transport to schools for children. So they got both the project leader of Rotterdam and us involved to well, give them advice on how to, how to approach that and specifically asked us to uh, also map the needs of the children in the, um, in the buses. Mm -hmm. In this case, the Amsterdam context. And it was very relevant also to us because one of the something that was actually lacking in the Rotterdam project is that at the well, we created this spectrum of mobility needs, and in the high right corner, where uh, there's people who have a very high need of uh, punctuality and have a very severe vulnerability, there are 
especially these kids, because they are still minors and they need a lot of uh, like support and still need to like practice how to handle their impairments, for example. So it's a very specific group from which we already saw that there was actually more exploration needed, not only on the children's side, but also on the side of their parents or the people who were taking care of them. Mm-hmm. So what we then could do in Amsterdam is uh, fully explore that. And there we eventually summarized not only the process that the children go through when they go to school, for example, or to sports, but also how the parents would like to be informed and communicate about the trips, but also about the whole the whole surface, at what point they would like to be informed or advised or uh, helped out with taking care of arranging everything, what kind of flexibility, for example, would be uh, needed or relevant for the parents. Uh, So it gave a whole lot of extra insights, which was then again very interesting, of course, for the municipality of Rotterdam. So once we then finished an Amsterdam project, specifically for the children and their parents, these two municipalities decided to allow each other to use each other's results and to do a city check on both sets of personas and customer journeys. So we are at this moment looking at what does the Rotterdam persona set do in in the municipality of Amsterdam. And if you would put the Amsterdam uh, personas of the children and their parents in Rotterdam, what would be different? Would there be any difference? So yeah, there's a lot going on actually at this moment around this specific uh, project for us. And so all the insights, they were used to choose the right mobility partners uh, as a municipality. But are there other reasons or are there other ways that they are used now to, for example, follow up on implementing the service in a qualitative way? Or how are the data being put into practice? In many different ways, actually. On the one hand, these persona sets are used now to look, for example, also uh, to the technical uh, possibilities. Uh, there's, as you probably know, a lot going on, going on around mobility as a service. But for many uh, startups, for example, in that area, it's very much about how to create mobility as a service for a regular person. Mm-hmm. a regular user yeah. like a healthy oh, that's not the right word but a, mm-hmm. a very yeah, like a standard user yeah. with no special yeah. needs mm-hmm. yeah 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 because that's already difficult enough for them because yeah. it's a, a technical issue on the startup side but on the side of the municipality it's very relevant to when these new systems and new services are being developed from a technical point of view to already include the um, the demands, the needs of uh, these very specific target groups in the system. Mm-hmm. Because when you have to do that later on, it costs way more. Well, it's not as efficient. Yeah. So at this point, they are also using our personas and customer journeys to take a good look at how can we make, for example, mobility as a service more inclusive? Uh, so it, it's already a, um, a good tool there as well. But also, for example, at the municipality of Amsterdam at this moment, this target group transport to schools is being granted to a specific party. And now we are looking at how to create a feedback system 
in terms of evaluative uh, user research together with the uh, municipality that also includes the uh, steps that personas that our personas go through so how can you for example uh, create the feedback that daily users give about the system to also enrich the personas and to make sure that they well are still up to date after a while and also really get connected to implementing and carrying out the services So I have a, a very detailed question about the personas, about the, the pictures you use. <laughs> I noticed uh, some of the pictures are people uh, from behind. And I was just wondering if that's a very conscious decision or is that just a, a random coincidence? Yeah, no, it's a conscious decision. It's actually one of the one of the huge discussion points that we had during analysis and creating this uh, set of personas. Because... Rotterdam, for example, well, almost any city in the Netherlands and in Western Europe at this at this moment, I think, is super diverse. So when you talk about these very specific target groups, you're not only talking about what they can or cannot do from a more uh, physical or mental perspective, but there's also a diversity in, in culture, for example, or in area in the city, which you, on the one hand, cannot deny but you also cannot emphasize it so we had a lot of a lot of talk about what are the right names for these uh, people what are the right pictures what are can we can we even put uh, pictures of a single person on the cover of this uh, on of this persona mm-hmm. so uh, yeah they were also renamed i think like Six to ten times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's go. Let's go for names. No, let's go for descriptions. No, I think we should do names because, and there were always good reasons for for all of the options. So, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think it's nice that you still have a picture, even though it's from the back. <laughs> I think it still yeah. adds a lot of context because yeah. what. Uh, you often see them as people put icons, for example, but it has such a different meaning and yeah. it makes it less uh, personal. Dehumanizes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But it is, especially when you talk about people with a specific handicap, it's very difficult. For example, the, the persona uh, Guus, uh, who is in a electric wheelchair on the picture, you cannot really see it, but he is. But of course, not everyone on that in that area of the spectrum is in a uh, wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, we we did after we made the decision to uh, go for these pictures. Uh, we did always emphasize that this is a summary of who is over there, and it's a summary, especially of the stories that we hear, not specifically of the uh, details that uh, the persons have mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, and that's always like the balance you need with making personas. You have on yes. the one end, you want to put a real person there, but on the other end, you have to cover the whole group. And yeah. for some reason, this indeed also in our project, it always ends up in some sort of discussion. Like it shouldn't be that yeah. specific because then we leave the, this, this one out. But on the other end, you should make it specific because otherwise it doesn't uh, create the empathy that you want. So it's a, we yeah. have a similar uh, discussion with clients yeah. often. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's done really well here. It's, uh, Thank you. I see there is a lot of salt behind it. 
I don't know the discussion. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's important too. If you look back at the process you already went through, is there something you would have done uh, totally different that you would have liked to uh, improve? Mm, well, oof, I should have thought about this one before. <laughs> <laughs> I do think, but it's impossible to change, but I do think that it would create better transport purely from a client perspective if transport companies would be even more involved. But since we have this system of issuing tenders, that's almost impossible. But I think that would, would make it better mm-hmm. to kind of co-create even more uh, such a service as municipality plus designers plus experts, for example, from the transport side. Yeah, I can imagine that. But I also think on the other hand, that's something you already did quite a lot compared to other uh, tendering processes. Yeah, and of course, yeah, you have the uh, restrictions of of the government um, rules they have to follow. It's about money, uh, tax money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think in, that, in this case, the team at the municipality also did a great job. I mean, they they literally did everything to create an like a, a playing field in which the transport companies were as free as possible to, to make the choices that they thought were best for, um, well, the clients and also from their uh, expert point of view. For example, one of the things they did very specifically is to issue the tender for seven years because they knew that uh, seven years would be the period in which electric vehicles would become an option to mm-hmm. use. So they they uh, deliberately stretched the um, uh, the period for which they were issuing this tender because they would they wanted electric vehicles to be an option for the transport companies. So they they did all these little these little things to uh, well to make it as uh, successful as possible. Mm-hmm. So now you uh, won the award. What does that mean to to you, to Muses, uh, to the team at the municipality? Well, I think for us as a, a service design agency, it's a huge acknowledgement of um, the the impact of of our way of working. But as I already mentioned before, I think this award also maybe mainly even goes to uh, how the team at the municipality. Uh, uh, was uh, handling the whole process and also gave us the opportunity to to carry it out like this and to do it uh, this way and was always so uh, well enthusiastic and supportive of all the steps that we were taking with them. We're taking lots of effort, also got a lot of discussion, but yeah, still pulled it off all uh, all together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, really good to hear. We want to thank you very much for your for your time, and of course the the team at the municipality too for their great work in the in the helping <laughs> you in the project. Um, yeah. If people want to reach out to you or find more information about you, uh, where can you uh, send them online? Well, of course, uh, you can uh, find our all our details on the website muses.nl, and um, yeah, if you. Uh, are interested in hearing more, then I'd be uh, very happy to uh, get an email or a phone call. So uh, (laughs) let's see.
Great. Thanks a lot for this uh, interesting conversation and good luck with the next step in the project. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for uh, for having me. Thank thanks. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. The Service Design Podcast was brought to you by the Service Design Network and Night Moves. For more information, previous episodes, or to join the conversation, please visit servicedesignpodcast.com. For more information about the Service Design Network, visit service-design-network.org. And for Night Moves, visit nightmoves.be. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to this podcast. The intro and outro music is from If the Stars Grow Dim Tonight by Hydrogen C, featuring I Will, I Swear. Until next time.